You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. Hey everybody, welcome back, and it is time again to hop into our apologetic series. Uh, Today I'm talking about how can a Christian have assurance of salvation. And since we spent some time speaking over the last couple weeks actually on uh, predestination, Calvinism, Arminianism, Molinism, uh, as well as prior to that, uh, God's omniscience, you know, knowing everything, just because you know a thing, does it does that mean that you cause that thing to happen? No, it just means that you had a foreknowledge of it. And even in the concept of Calvinism, Armini- Arminianism, you know, God for, for, for those whom God foreknew. And so it's like, so does that mean everybody like God foreknows everyone or just some people and and it just because God foreknows them does that mean that now they're stuck then they can't escape it and so I thought it would be good to jump into the next topic on our list of apologetic questions which is again how can a believer someone in Christ male female how can someone who calls himself a Christian have assurance that they're saved you know, whatever end of the spectrum you come from on Calvinism, Arminianism, or Molinism, or or some other kind of ism, <laughs> you know, how can you know that you're you're actually saved? How can you know that you're secure, eternal security? And so, um, today I wanted to break into this. You know, starting off with stories. I love stories, and I don't know if you've ever tried to build IKEA furniture before, but building IKEA furniture for me. Um, I always build it at least twice and that's while using the instructions. I, I said this to my wife the other day and she's like, you don't always build it twice. And I appreciate her. And I think to be fair, normally I've come to know that I do indeed build it twice and sometimes three times, even I think as much as four times I had to pull something off and put it back on in a different place. And it's normally like you don't get until almost to the end of it that you realize, oh man, I put that on backwards, and I have to like, I have to completely take this apart uh, to to turn it around. And so, I've gotten to such a speed of building IKEA furniture that I think my wife genuinely believes that I, I don't always build everything from IKEA at least twice, because I've become so fast at it. Because I don't want them to peek in on me while I'm building some furniture and see me tearing it apart and putting it back together. So by the time she comes in and checks on me, I'm already, you know like almost done buttoning it up, you know, with, with it that having been built the second or even the third time. And so she's like, Oh, you're doing so great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, but for real, like imagine if our salvation, you know, with Christ was like Ikea furniture. Right. But, uh, like that, that's, that's, you know, I feel like sometimes we just are unsure. We're kind of going through life and okay, well, I think I am building it right. And then like, what happens when you get 20, 30 years down the road and you say, oh, I, I messed up way back then and, and I got to figure this out and thank God the rapture didn't happen while, you know, I, I was unaware, you know, well, I think there's some grace, obviously, there, there has to be some liberty of grace there. I mean, the Bible does say in the book of James, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, uh, to him it's a sin or to her it's a sin, to, to them it is a sin. And so that that's true. So, you know, but it's upon your revelation of, of knowledge and your even as Adam and Eve, as they had knowledge, as they 
then ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was when they became aware of what sin was and they disobeyed God. And so therefore it's like when you don't know what sin is, you are innocent. But when you are aware of what sin is, you are then guilty. And I mean, that might be even an interesting topic to unpack with someone much more uh, educated than I uh, to say like, because God only gave Adam and Eve one rule in the garden, did they sin? But because they didn't know what sin was outside of the one command that God gave them, uh, thou shalt not eat of the knowledge of uh, the fruit of the knowledge of uh, uh, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, and as long as they never did that one thing, all these, whatever else they did was under the covenant relationship and underneath the, uh, the veil and the, and the covering of innocence and, and lack of knowledge. I don't know. I, I have no idea. And so, you know, that's, that's a, maybe, maybe that's not a very deep discussion. Maybe, maybe it could be, but honestly, with this concept of Ikea furniture, you know, uh, imagine if you were building an entire house out of Ikea uh, like, like an Ikea house. Okay. You can get all this stuff delivered on your front porch. You've got all these custom fasteners and cheaply made materials that break and, and kind of render themselves useless. Honestly, after two or three attempts, all of a sudden you, you can't put that same weird, unique custom fitted screw with a, with a bracket in it and a stopper in, in the same hole, you know, three times before it's completely stripped out. And, and there's no manual though. <laughs> you just have to build with the understanding and perspective you have, man, this would be, th th this is, this honestly is how salvation would be if we didn't have it, you know, documented, if we didn't have the word of God to tell us how we might be saved. Thank God we've got the instruction manual, but even then we look at it and it's written to a people 2000 plus years ago and more. And, and so we sometimes read it as if it's written to us, but it's written for us, but it was written to them. And so we have to read it by interpreting the pictures accurately, just like the Swedish company, you know, they got rid of words from all of their instruction manuals. They just have these cute little cartoon characters, you know, scratching their head, being frustrated that they're building it again. So with that, we do have the documents and it's something that whether no matter what language you uh, what, what, what worldview you come from, what background you come from, what, what, uh, situation you're in. It's something that transcends science. It's something that transcends, uh, culture, something that transcends time and remains applicable to you. So, um, pause. Hello. Hey, there is the V10 Dyson. Uh, a refurb one on Amazon for two ninety. Should I buy it? Does it work? Yeah, they're they're guaranteed to work. Is it is it janky and gross? No, they're supposed to be totally cleaned, refurbished, renewed, thoroughly tested, all like new. They may have some com cosmetic blemishes that include scratches and or other surface imperfections which do not affect functionality. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm going to try it because I can return it if I don't. Okay, give it a shot. And I, I, I'm recording a podcast, so I just got to edit this out later. But I just finally got okay. into recording it. so Or I can leave it in. There you go. It's pure content. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, next time, tell me your, uh, you know, do 
doing that. And I'm back. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I didn't put my phone on silent and my wife called me and I been trying we've been trying to get a vacuum uh, this new this uh, vacuum since our Dyson died and well anyways um, there's one on Amazon for refurb good deal so but um, back to where we're at about the Word of God and how it transcends generations even like you know to a lesser degree IKEA furniture transcends cultures and languages because it's pictures showing you how to do this which is kind of a neat simile but um, w- you know if we didn't have it documented we would never be certain we're doing it right until the project is complete. And even then, you know, with this Ikea home, right, you'd move into this home and try not to close the doors too harshly, you know, or lean on the walls, you know, just in case anyone that's built Ikea furniture can totally understand and relate. I hope, you know, like you don't want to slam the cupboard too much. It's something might, and whenever someone does, you're like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I built it, but mm, you know, you'd be waiting in, in worry for the first storm to come freaking out the whole uh the whole time that this whole thing you know is going to come crashing down in the next rainstorm or windstorm or ice as it tests the integrity of the ikea home you've built you see you'd be a prisoner in your home for years to come until either you gain confidence that you built everything right or at least right enough to uphold or you'd become so rattled and emotionally spent that you no longer care if you live or die. If this house falls on you or in your sleep and, and you crush and it crushes you, you know, or not. You'd become bitter uh, at your house, resentful, but it's where you live and you can't afford the cost to move out now. So you'll, you'll just, you know, stay here with a jaded, cynical indifference to life or death. Never, you know, encouraging anyone else to do what you did. It's kind of like maybe how people start to develop in their walk with God because they lack confidence in in what's been afforded to them through Christ. You know, this is what salvation without assurance is. You don't know until it's too late and you walk around afraid. So how can we have assurance of our salvation? Those who are in Christ, how can they have assurance of their salvation? Well, assurance is security. Let's look at Hebrews, uh, a couple Bible verses that we got to utilize for this content. Um, Yeah, let's see here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, it says about assurance, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Ah, man, a a couple more chapters and verses here uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And Hebrews 11, chapter one, uh, Hebrews 11, verse one, sorry. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not yet seen. So assurance here, we see it defined as confidence, absolute unwavering. Man, this is encouraging me because that means that God told us we can have assurance to draw near to him, full of assurance, unwavering, like That means we can do that. That means it's possible. God wouldn't tell us to do something that's impossible. He he would supernaturally empower us otherwise to do so. You know, so 
assurance being defined as confidence, absolute unwavering, the qualities of wholeness that lead believers to responsible living. When we have assurance, we can comfortably lean up against that wall of our house, close the door, endure the storm and the rain, not worried at all because we have certainty of our salvation. We are not eternally secure because of a prayer we prayed at some point in the past, however, if we do not now believe. You see, there is no assurance without belief. There is, so, there is no security without belief. No one goes to heaven who does not believe in the gospel or whatever revelation of God, sorry, whatever revelation God gave them uh, to elicit a faith response as in the Old Testament before the work of Christ. Okay, I'm not saying like you chose Allah and it worked, you know, that I'm saying the revelation of the true one and only Yahweh. But we must believe Man, that's simple gospel. Like you went to school as a kid, you read it. John 3, 16, you memorize it. It's one of the first verses your parents get so proud of you for memorizing. Look at my kid. He's memorizing Bible verses. Oh my goodness, John 3, 16. And I'm not trying to make fun of this, but like, that's me. I was like, my kid is so great. Memorize the Bible. And then you, as a parent, forget to teach him the rest of the Bible. (laughs) Thank God for his mercy. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life we have to believe we must believe the bottom line is that regardless of what profession we make or have had in uh, have made in terms of faith in Christ we must believe to have eternal life so just cuz you pray to prayer doesn't mean anything. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God? Do you depend on him? Understanding that concept of belief, believing obedience, okay? Loss of salvation, Mm, you know, game over, zero continues, remaining, hello. The loss of salvation isn't based solely upon sin. Now, as you can see, I do believe that um, you can have your name added the book of life, but it can also be taken away. That's what the Bible tells us. So I, I do believe that you can choose to walk away from faith after having had faith. So that's my, my faith. That's what I believe. That's what I believe my Bible says. Um, I'm not saying I'm Arminius, I'm Calvinist, I'm Molinist, I'm, I'm, I'm ist. So like, that's it. But here I want to explain to you my perspective and understanding of how we lose salvation. You see, unbelief cannot be attached to the loss of salvation, you know, period. It can't lest a moment of very real fear in the face of death, like a momentary lack of faith would produce hell for a potentially lifelong Christian, someone who's believing in God all their life. And, you know, falls out of a plane that's crashing in a horrific tragedy or steps out into traffic and didn't see the semi coming on. And in that moment of fear and panic and dread, instead of, you know, crying out to God, defaults to some wounding from their childhood and manifests a curse word or something, you know, like we don't know, but a momentary like fear or you're being tortured for your faith. Like I remember when I was growing up, we had the whole, 
the um, I forget the name of the gal. I, I apologize, but man, it was a big deal. The father of the girl who was killed in the school shootings in the '90s it was a big deal, and as she stood up for her faith, he said, "Do you believe in God?" And and she she said yes, and then he killed her. Right, basically trying to ask her to renounce her faith. Well, with that, uh, another young man said no and i don't think he got shot i could have butchered that but basically in that moment you know what if he got shot anyways then would that mean even though he did because he was afraid he renounced god that he goes to hell forever i i don't think that is is how it works you know i believe it's rather spiritual apostasy choosing another god or no god at all you see no one is in heaven who does not believe wow what a cool place, God. Uh, you know, just got here. I, I was, I was, you know, high behind Seven Eleven. I found my way into a dumpster, and I guess the next thing I know, I was being, uh, you know, trash compacted. And, uh, you know, I never knew you existed, God. But thanks for, you know, bringing me to heaven. You know, like this is a pretty cool place. That that doesn't happen. You know, it. But you know, nothing can separate us from God's love, unless Romans eight thirty one through thirty nine goes on to say. I'll read it right here. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, shall uh, gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Uh, Sorry, it is God who justifies. (laughs) Answer that question. Verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, neither nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love unless I think it's noteworthy in the light of that, in this long list of what cannot separate us from God's love, unbelief does not appear. It doesn't. Why? Because that can separate us from God's love. In fact, <clears throat> in fact, it keeps us from God's love shown to us in Christ. No sins of the flesh can remove us from the family of God. The only thing that keeps us from God's family is unbelief. Salvation is by grace, through faith, God's part and our part. Both are essential, but one is primary. Unless we choose to, we only receive salvation through grace, not works. Likewise, we cannot earn salvation through having enough faith. You see, grace is the priority because it is God who extended grace to us first. 
If the gospel were not extended to us first, there would be nothing to believe. It is the gateway of grace that we have access by faith to the uh, that we uh, to salvation. Ephesians two eight explains us here, saying, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God." Does that mean that? poof, all of a sudden you were saved and while you were, you know, at a rock show and at a bar, at a strip club, and all of a sudden, bam, you just got saved. Like, no, that's not, that's not what it is. Grace is the priority. And then we choose to partner with the grace that has been extended to us. This is where you get some of these, uh, um, Calvinism concepts is that for those whom he foreknew, like God already knew he was going to choose you. So was, you, you got to respond to that, but God doesn't choose everybody is, is the perspective. So, but going on forward here, um, it's grace that was extended to us first, not by our own works. So can someone lose their salvation? Are believers eternally secure? Everyone who believes the gospel will be saved by grace and not by any merit of their own. Everyone who believes the gospel will be eternally secure. Everyone who does not believe the gospel and rejects it will not be saved, regardless of works. Everyone who does not believe the gospel will not be eternally secure. So can someone who believed stop believing? And what if they do? What will happen to them? Well, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 Uh, answers that a little bit for us here. And it says, for it is impossible in this case of those who have once been enlightened and who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the, shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and to uh, then have fallen away and uh, to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again, the son of God uh, to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. It is impossible, it says, for those who have once been enlightened. Romans 11, uh, 11 through 12 goes on to say, so I ask, did they stumble, speaking of the, those who those who fa- had fallen, in order that they might fall uh, so far that they might fall? Sorry, let me read that again. Romans 11, 11 through 12. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, then, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? You see, did they stumble beyond recovery? Not at all. But beyond the ability for God to restore them, no. The writer in Hebrews expresses that he has experienced, uh, this is what he has experienced. It is exceedingly rare unto impossibility that who that those who um, that those who decide to not believe actually ever come back to faith. Why? Because they have to put their faith in precisely what they rejected, the crucifixion of the Son of God for the sin of the world. So how can we be saved? What's the IKEA instruction manual say? You want to know? Read Romans Road. Uh, here's the list of the verses for you. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death, but the, the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then, oh, that's the whole book of Romans. Romans 5.8, 
But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So there you go. Follow that. Dear the, you know, say the sinner's prayer. It's not about a prayer, but it's about you partnering with your faith and partnering with your words and your action and your heart. You'd say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves punishment. I believe Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. I thank you and I receive you and your forgiveness and your everlasting life. I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't even need to be that complicated. It's a matter of you believing, speaking to existence, and partnering with that faith, that believing in God. So what about this? I've doubted and regularly doubt my salvation. Am I unbelieving and in danger of hell? I mean, how many of us haven't spent a day where like, man, am I really saved? You know, like you hear the pastor saying, if you, if you (laughs) saw this great video clip, but it's like, if you aren't uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt, certain that you are right with God, then come on up to the altar. And this guy was like, and you know, I realized for like years I got saved probably, you know, a couple times a week because they had, you know, mass or chapel, whatever, every day. And he's like, I, you know, pastor Dave, I, you know, I know I got saved two days ago, three times this week, and I'm just not, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt certain. <laughs> it was funny, but that really ultimately boils down to our insecurities. How do we combat insecurity? Ask these questions. It's a simple A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, sub point one, two, three. Do, I, do you want to be saved? If yes, great. Have you followed something like the Romans Road? to find salvation? If yes, great. If, uh, do you still want a relationship with him? If yes, congratulations, you have relationship with him. If no, to any of those above, do you not believe in him? Or if you're unsure, examine biblical heroes who sought assurance in their, uh, in their, in their moments, you know, um, assurance of their faith. Believers asking for assurance. Let's look at these guys real quick. You've got Abraham, Genesis 15, 8. He doubted, right? But he said, oh Lord, God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Man, God told him he's going to possess it. But like he doubted, but he, it's okay. Our patriarchs, the, the forefathers of our faith struggled believing what God told them. It's okay. Encourage yourself seeing that they did that as well. Moses, Exodus 33, 16 says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I, I and your people? Is it, not in, uh, <clears throat> is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? And I, well, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? He was concerned. He had doubts. Gideon, Judges 6, 17, great verses. And he said to him, if I, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that this is you who speak to me. So if I find favor in your eyes and you're actually like God, like, hey, uh, you know, Gideon throwing the fleece before, he needed assurance. He needed to bolster his assurance. It's okay if you struggle wondering, am I actually saved? 
that's an indicator that you're maturing in your walk with God or attempting or having an opportunity to mature. Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Like he was doubting. He was, he was, he was struggling. He needed assurance. So we can ask God for assurance. We can turn to him just like our fathers did. What about this? Try waiting on God. Here's some verses on how we wait on God. Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalms 27.14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalms 33.20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Let's see, was that the last of that one? I don't want to read on to the next one too soon. Um, yeah, all the way through. So Psalms, Psalms 33, 20, um, and then 30, 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength, uh, but you are unwilling. Quietness and rest. Wow, we're supposed to just chill sometimes and trust, okay? Um, let's see here. Uh, Isaiah 32, 17. Let's take a look there. Isaiah 32, 17 to 18. Um, here we go. Isaiah 32, 17 to 18. And the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Man, a revelation of God's righteousness among his people uh, among his people result in true peace. So we got to wait on God, wait on him. Not that he's running late, but wait on him a little bit. Okay. I've waiting in line for a long time for some Chick-fil-A. I'm going to tell you what, but like, you know, wait on God for a little bit longer for something even better. So another way that you can, uh, seek assurance of your salvation, or if you're struggling with it, lastly, be strengthened by others. The Bible goes on to tell us this, um, we've got Second Chronicles 32, 6-8. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the, in the square at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Before the king of Assyria and all the horde and all of the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an army of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. 2 Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue in what you have learned, firmly believing, have, have for, uh, oh my goodness. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Man, encourage each other. Colossians 4.12. Let me check that one. Um, yeah, Colossians 4.12. We've got um, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Build each other up through encouragement. First Thessalonians Got to add this verse in here, 3, 2 through 3. Pull it up. It says, 
we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are. Uh, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. We have to be strengthened by others and strengthen others. So how can you have assurance of your salvation? I mean, how about this? Know that two plus two equals four. Know you followed the manual. So believe the outcome, even if it doesn't feel like the right answer. I don't know how many times, because I just, my brain wants to tell me something different. I write an answer on a test or I go to write an answer on a test and I know it's the right answer. And I'm like, no, I doubt myself. I erase it, put a different answer down, get my test back. And you better believe I know exactly every single one of the circles I didn't do or the answers I didn't give or the lines I didn't connect that I was like, I knew that was the answer, but I failed because I doubted myself. You see, if we doubt our faith, that's unbelieving faith. That, that That's doubt. That's the opposite of faith. So we need to just believe and have assurance that we are saved if we follow him and trust him and believe him. If you don't feel it or you're doubting that it's true, check the layout I gave above. You know, do you want to be saved? Have you followed the Romans road? Do you still want to be saved? Congratulations, you're saved. Still feeling unsure? Exhort yourself. Follow the examples of the verses I read above. But, you know, you might be a believer, but you're suffering because you're not acting like it. Being a zombie really hurts. Everyone hates you. Everyone wants you dead. You're ugly. You got some arrows stuck in you and a few bullet holes, but still going through the motions. And you're hungry. Quit trying to live in your dead body that was crucified with Christ. Live in your new life. Follow through the waters of baptism. Be saved and leave your life of sin. Holding on to it makes you divided and you never experience much, if at any, heaven on earth. But even the righteous will face judgment during the great white throne judgment for all who believe. So know that even though we're saved, we still will face judgment. We still will face the great white throne of Jesus where Yes, we've already divided the sheep and the goats, you know, like, but now we will be accounted for and everything we've done is as wood, hay, and stubble before God, okay? And then we'll be given our lot, like when you look at the parables of the talents, okay? It's, it's, it's all there, the kingdom of God, what Jesus preached. He, he's coming back to check on us. How, what do we do with what he gave it? Do we just bury it deep, deep in our hearts, deep down in our hearts? You know, I was on a mission trip with our kids to LA one time and, and there was this uh, ministry group uh, at the observatory over there and they were just singing and it, I think it was a Korean church and they were just had, the, uh, it was, it was a pastor and like his spouse or something. And they were just praising God singing and had a little tent set up with some information like deep, deep down in our hearts and they had a hand motions deep down in our hearts, you know, deep, deep down in our hearts, deep down in our hearts. Do you love Jesus deep down in our hearts? Okay. I'll make you, I'll, I'll, I'll stop torturing you there, but it's like, yes, we love Jesus deep down in our hearts, but don't just bury that treasure so deeply inside of us and not do anything with it. Because I believe that those honestly, who have come into the family of God, become a servant of Yeshua, Jesus, a servant of the master, a servant of Yahweh have been given the gift of salvation. Okay. Forgiveness. And we bury that deep into our hearts. 
as the one who took their the, the talent, the weight of gold, and buried it in the dirt. Because when the master came back, he wanted to give him exactly what was given to him. He was called wicked and kicked outside for being lazy and wicked and evil. Man, we're weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the ones who took that gift that they received, that they did not earn them, they were servants. It was not their money, but the master gave it to them freely to steward it and do as they so chose. What are we doing with the great gift we have of salvation? Are we multiplying it? Are we investing it, the kingdom that's available for us? Are we believing in God or do we just have belief that God exists? So God bless you today. Hope this was helpful. Hope this helps you, uh, encourages you or helps you even uh, be challenged to really take your faith to a level of believing obedience and following Christ. Can't wait to see you guys again soon. Shalom. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.